Today's guest is the founder of Sunny and Felix, an incredible purpose-driven sunscreen brand. Less than a year after launching it alongside her sister Madeline, their flagship product, the Nudie, has already attracted a cult following and is changing the way we think about sun protection. As well as running an e-commerce business across two different time zones, Jen works a busy full-time job as a solicitor. In this episode, I chat with the multi-talented Jen about launching an e-com business in the middle of a pandemic, how she juggles it all, and so much more. Jenna, welcome to the Progress Podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for coming on. I'm super excited to have you. I am, as nerdy as it sounds, a bit of a sunscreen fanatic. I I love finding sunscreens that are functional, but also look beautiful. So I was super excited when I stumbled upon everything that you're doing alongside your sister. But I would like to take it back a little bit just to start off with. And I know you're still a solicitor. How do you go from that sort of career path to now co-running an e-commerce business? I think it just goes back to a bit of a personal story. I was diagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome maybe five years ago. And I think I really struggled finding beauty products that I could actually wear and that sort of suited my skin type because a symptom of PCOS is you break out and and in acne and everything. And I think that I I just, I couldn't wear sunscreen And I just decided that I know it's a really important part of my beauty routine. And if I can't find anything that I really like, then I'm just going to go and create one myself. And I think that having that solicitor background allowed me to really just go for it because I'm already used to calling up regulatory authorities and figuring out how I need to navigate the law and the regulations and everything like that. So that that kind of skill set just allowed me to launch this sunscreen business and and figure out what we exactly had to do. Yeah, that's that's yeah. pretty much how we got started. <laughs> yeah, I love that there were like transferable skills. I hadn't even thought of that, but it makes total sense that there is, especially with starting like a product business, there are so many legal things to think about and trademarking and all these bits and pieces. Yeah. I'm sure that's come so handy. And you started with your sister, Madeline. Yeah. So how did the idea come to life? Obviously it stemmed from your personal journey, but what was the conversation? that started it all it's been something that I have always wanted to start for a while and I think a couple of years ago Maddie was really starting to become entrepreneurial and she was looking at small business areas and ideas and she saw me wanting to get involved in some way and she said what ideas do you have and this was just the first one that sprung to mind and that was it it just was a conversation one day that we had and then another conversation the next day and she just decided okay this is the idea we're going to run for it and then we started doing a little bit of market research surveying with friends getting an idea for what the actual sunscreen market looked like in Australia and figuring out whether or not this was a good area to sink our savings into effectively and it took us about I reckon six to eight months to get a handle on what the market actually looked like and whether this was a safe investment. And then after that, in the background, we were doing some regulatory stuff as well and putting the 
put getting a roadmap to what the business looked like and then doing the market research as well we've decided okay this is this is how we need to go about it and what we need to do so yeah that's the path of of how we got to where we are yeah I love that and are you it sounds like you're someone who takes action and someone who sees a problem and wants to do something about it but would you say are you like pragmatic like calculator sort of person or are you more of a just (laughs) dive right in (laughs) yeah I think I'm more calculated so I had all of the risks mapped out and it was it there was a lot holding me back because it's that lawyer side. My job is to navigate risks and to point those risks out to my clients. And Maddie has this incredible commercial brain where she just got to a point where she said, nothing will ever be perfect. There's always going to be a certain degree of risk in small business. And at some point you just have to jump in and learn from your mistakes. And that's what we had to do. Like we had to stop assessing risks and just go for it. Yeah, exactly. And you touched on this, but what was the very first step that you took? So after you had the idea, like, how did you know where to even start with it? (laughs) I, I think it was literally calling up the TGA, calling up the TGA and just figuring out how do you start a sunscreen? What regulatory approvals do I need to go through? to start a sunscreen business? What fees are going to be involved? What's the cash side of it? What's the timeline look like? And then after that, it was literally calling up manufacturers within Australia and just figuring out who makes, what are the minimum order quantities? How much is it going to cost us? That sort of thing. So it was just literally emailing a lot of people and doing a lot of ringing around and just trying to piece together like, how we start this business I and I think that's the same for most businesses really is just trying to talk to people as many people as you can to figure out the process of starting a small business yeah there's so much free information out there now which is no one has any excuse to to not do you not have the answers because the answers are out there but almost it can almost be overwhelming when there's so much information out there yeah to know where to start but I love that you yeah you just started taking action and then in terms of you know calling people and having these conversations was that nerve-wracking at all did you have to deal with any like rejection or being a female-led business like not being taken seriously any of those sorts of things um it was really hard actually it there wasn't because we didn't have a company set up at that stage. You're speaking to manufacturers who manufacture for huge pharmaceutical brands and they're used to dealing with phenomenally large minimum order quantities and there's some girl emailing them off Gmail account that has no company behind them (laughs) who wants to start a small business. And so we either got rejection emails or we got people who just didn't respond. And that was really hard to take, but I think we just kept going and kept going. And eventually you do start to get a little bit of information from people, even if they don't want to deal with you from a business point of view, they're very happy to point you in the right direction of someone who might be able to help you. And I think that's what it was, is people do genuinely want to help people who are interested in creating a small business even if they don't want to do business with you, they're happy to share a bit of information on the market with you. So that was, I think that was super valuable. Yeah. There are great, helpful people out there, which is (laughs) always great when you're first getting started with something. And did you already have pretty thick skin, I guess, from just from your 
career as a solicitor. I'm sure that helped a little bit to have a bit of resilience there. <laughs> <laughs> I think you have to have a bit of thick skin being a lawyer and that certainly transferred into my small business. I understood how to took rejection and and not so much, like no one was particularly rude, but I think just understanding that people are slow to respond and emails like regulatory authorities are slow to respond typically and potentially manufacturers might be slow to respond as well. So it was just having a little bit of patience like that and knowing when to pick up the phone and knowing when not to as well. I think that was key for us as well in starting the business. Yeah, amazing. And I want to talk about the realities of running a business with family. So you obviously run it with your sister. It sounds like you balance each other out really nicely. But what are some of the biggest benefits and challenges of of working with your sister? The biggest benefit is I've just got someone who cares for me and who has my back. And I think that when I'm working late hours, she just wants me to succeed and so she is so happy to pick up that little bit of extra work for me because she just cares for me and I think that is just such a benefit of being in business with your families you really do care for each other you want the business to succeed but you also want to look out for the other person as well so I think that's been the biggest benefit for us the biggest issue is (laughs) when we fight it can get emotional <laughs> I was gonna say personal it's not like yeah you know, it's fighting with a colleague where you have to keep it above belt <laughs> yeah yeah it's there's there's this definite like we're very happy to get into the nitty-gritties very quickly with each other because we are family and I think that's another positive as well as you can have the big fights and it's not awkward but we've had some big fights and, and certainly going into this and after we hang up the phone it's who can get there first to mum to talk about the issues yeah. <laughs> you know we're both on the phone to mum straight away but we definitely are very quick to reconcile after that's what fight. I was going to say I bet you get it out there quickly and you reconcile quickly because it's not just yeah. like festering under the surface it's like you get yeah. in there you say what you need to say <laughs> yep that's it yeah Yeah. so it's as much a benefit as it is as a challenge and I guess another obstacle that you probably have had to overcome with this is working on different time zones like not only that but during a pandemic where like travel has not been possible what have been some of the obstacles that you guys have had to overcome with that I think The time zone issue for me, because I am based in London, is very hard. I'm speaking to you now at at 6am. and (laughs) Which I very much appreciate. I hope you've had a coffee. (laughs) You seem very on, like very (laughs) I'm very used to having calls with manufacturers at 5am and having to respond to emails very quickly to hit Australian business hours, making sure that I am responsive on emails, especially on that sort of Friday morning London time, because you want to make sure it gets addressed by someone before they leave the office. And certainly like I've been up writing articles for the business till 1am in the morning to make sure it's in someone's inbox the very next day. And I think in terms of travel and COVID and how that's affected the business. I'm based in London, but obviously I would have loved to have been there in Australia packing boxes with my sister. And I missed out on that sort of grassroots experience of 
being in the business and in on the operational side of it when we first launched I would have loved to have been there but it just wasn't possible unfortunately but I understand my sister's got some boxes for me to pack the minute I get to Australia. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she's she'll have it all lined up for you. The second you're in the door, don't worry about yeah, jet lag. Just get it. straight in there. <laughs> oh, love it. And so for people who haven't come across Sonny and Felix, tell us a little bit about what makes it different, what makes it <laughs> so amazing, apart from the beautiful packaging, which I'm obsessed with. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I think the sunscreen itself, I, I might be a little bit biased, but it's probably one of the best sunscreens I have tried. It's non-comedogenic, so it really has been formulated to help people that do have breakouts and acne, and that was such an important characteristic when we were thinking about what sunscreen we wanted is we wanted people who had, like, difficult skin to be able to wear it. And we didn't want the sunscreen to feel just like an oil slick. We didn't want mm. you to feel the sunscreen at all. And I think we've achieved that. It, it does certainly feel like a moisturizer and almost just absorbs into the skin in some way. And hence the name Nudie. <laughs> yeah, love it. We just wanted to have a naked finish. We wanted you to feel like you were wearing nothing at all. And it does sit quite nicely under makeup as well. It doesn't leave a white cast. And it seems to allow you to keep your makeup in place as well, as opposed to by the end of the day, you're blotting oil or makeup sliding around on your skin. So it does have some really nice finishes about the sunscreen. And then in terms of the packaging, it's beautiful packaging, <laughs> but there were also a lot of thought process into that. I carry around a bunch of sunscreens and I had issues with exploding sunscreens in my handbag. You take it to the beach and it you know, the caps off and sand gets into it. And so there actually was a lot of thought process behind the packaging and that was quite difficult and challenging to wrap our head around um, as to what we actually wanted. We have a lock cap effectively. So it's a love that. <laughs> yeah, airless pump lock top bottle that that prevents sort of caps falling off, sunscreen explosions. Oh, and nothing worse. <laughs> yeah. So there's, there's a lot of sort of practical thought process behind the product and we're really happy with the end result. Yeah, love it. And where did the name come from? So Sunny and Felix, it, we wanted to somehow personify sunscreen that feels good. We wanted a name, sunscreen, Sunny, feel good, Felix, Sunny oh, and Felix. Oh, I yeah. love it. I didn't, I didn't even get that, but it makes total sense. I just thought yeah. it's very catchy. <laughs> <laughs> It takes a while to it takes a while to wrap your head around. No, but I, I love it even more now, it. knowing that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and we have a little hippo on the label, which hippos effectively have create their own SPF, hence why they can light in the sun all day and sit there in the African heat. So we thought, what a great and clever animal to sort of be our muse effectively for the product so we put a hippo on there <laughs> yes I love that every element is just so well thought out that's yeah, incredible yeah. Yeah. yeah and I think a thing that people don't wouldn't think about so much with PCOS like I think people associate it with bad period pain and that kind of thing but I think people don't think about the skin aspect of it and I I don't 
know if I don't think I have PCOS, but I used to have really bad skin. And I know that feeling of we're trying to do the right thing and wear sunscreen. Especially my skin was very, I had rosacea as well. So I didn't, I really needed to protect it. But then the second I did, most of the sunscreens at that time were just super, like you said, oil slick. And then by the end of the day, like your face felt so oily. And also like I knew I was going to break out. So yeah, I think it's hard. Like you you want to do the right thing and protect your skin. So I think it's incredible that it's come from a problem that you experience yourself in your personal journey and like giving people that option. So I wanted to talk a little bit more if you're open to it, like your personal PCOS journey. Like I'd love to hear about your like wellness and self-development journey around that because I'm sure it's had some challenges that you've had to overcome with it oh yeah 100% <laughs> so I was diagnosed I think when I was around 25 years old I was in probably my final years of law school so the and the symptoms like the big red flag symptoms I had breakouts but like all around my jawline but almost tea kind of breakouts I put on eight kilos in three months. My anxiety was just through the roof and I just felt like I wasn't me. There was just this this kind of gut instinct where I just didn't feel like me. And and then some of the other physical symptoms are you tend to get like light hair growth around your jawline and thinning hair and everything. So, I mean, it's not the sexiest of endocrine disorders to have. (laughs) But when you start putting those physical symptoms together and then the mental health symptoms, I was having very irregular periods as well. So there were the big red flag issues and I went to the doctors and got my diagnosis and the journey from there was just a lot of self-discovery. It was, I was on medication, metformin, I tried the pill and it just exacerbated the way I felt, put on more weight, the acne sort of cleared up I was put on antibiotics for it and I just didn't like the idea of taking antibiotics every day for my skin it just felt unnatural so I started to look at my health from a more holistic point of view I read a lot of blogs and I read a lot of articles on polycystic ovarian syndrome and literally just learning from other women's experiences was probably so beneficial for me the doctors were great to a certain point but I think like reading other women's stories and journeys was so important as such an important part of my journey and so I started to change the way I exercised I started running a lot which helped with the drop of weight effectively and then just changed my diet and there was a lot of weird diets that I went through like high protein diets and just very bizarre things that I tried and it just nothing really stuck and so I think I just got to a point where I just kept it really simple for myself so trying to exercise semi-regularly as often as I can and I eat more of a I'm gonna say semi-vegan diet so a lot of vegetables effectively and not a lot of things with hormones in them like chicken eggs milk i I still eat those, but just not as often as what I used to. And just trying to look after my mental health, getting good night's rest and meditation, all that kind of stuff. And it's interesting when you start to just listen to your body instead of starting to control it. 
how much that actually helps and it's all trial and error really that's exactly what I was going to say yeah the doctors are great but no one is ever going to be as proactive about your health as you are yeah you're right it really is such a process of experimentation and trying eating different ways and like moving your body in different ways and then also yeah the like mindset part of it is is such a huge thing too so it sounds like you found something that works for you which is (laughs) always great yeah (laughs) yes exactly and it's a constantly evolving process too I think it's a lifelong process I wanted to talk a bit about the juggle because obviously you are still working as a solicitor I believe yeah and obviously running the business and trying to take care of your you know physical mental health and I'm sure plenty of other things going on too so how okay first of all the businesses how do you juggle that it sounds like it's a lot of getting up early in the morning to (laughs) knock out a bunch of work (laughs) yeah I think I'm so lucky to have Maddie my sister she really has taken on the lion's share of the business especially in the last sort of six months she's done a tremendous effort and I think the reason why I've been able to juggle a you know very demanding career and a small business is because I have a fabulous business partner who just is there to support me as much as she is there to support the business as well in terms of trying to juggle my life I for instance you just have to make time like you just try to make time where you can so I got off a deal at sort of 11 p.m. the other night and sat at work writing an article till 1 a.m. in the morning for the business. So it's just one of those things where you find the hours where you need to find it and try and make time. Weekend mostly, I would say, and mornings for me are probably where I do a lot of the business, small side of business. But yeah, it's, 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 a lot. it's, really, yeah, it's a lot. It definitely I is. I think one good thing when you're really busy is that you just don't have time to overthink anything. You just have to take, I'm all that imperfect action. Just, just yeah. writing the email, smashing out the email, yeah. doing it imperfectly. It's better than not doing it at all. So I think that's yeah. one upside of having a lot on your plate. Yeah. And I think also just being kind to yourself as well, like not stressing if you, haven't written the email as well because you be like a lot of small business owners tend to beat themselves up there's always more that you could be doing there's always things that you could do better and I think just the fact that you're doing it is so great and that's something that I've had to try and get comfortable with over the last six months is just the fact that we've launched this small business is fabulous and yes there is a ton of other things that we could be doing better and more of but we are doing the best we can right now and we're finding the hours where we can (laughs) yeah yeah I bet and how do you avoid getting burnt out is it just a matter of just listening to your body and like knowing when it's getting close to oh (laughs) we're starting to shut down need to rest (laughs) yeah I think it's I I do try and push myself occasionally. I do really try and push myself. But I think the biggest sort of indicator for me is when I just know I'm just not in it and I'm not understanding the task and the output is just not even going to be beneficial. 
at all to the business at all. So I think that's where I really try and pair it back. And there certainly has been a couple of those weeks in the last month where the ramp up to Christmas, it's been very busy in my career. And so I've really had to listen to my body and there comes a point in time where I've just got to shut the laptop down and that's it. Yeah, you can never give 110% to everything at any given time. Something is always going to slip and that's okay. There's going to be seasons where things are a bit out of balance and it kind of just has to be like that sometimes. (laughs) And I think you just prioritize like the absolute essentials. I have a list of 10 things that I have to do. And over the last few weeks, I've just been looking at my list going, okay, what's the one thing that needs to get done? And if it doesn't need to get done, can I leave it? Yes, I can. And I think that's how I've been able to manage burnout. (laughs) Yeah, I totally agree. I don't believe in to-do lists in the like traditional sense and just a never ending list. I do my like top three priorities. And I mean, sometimes I don't even get all of those done, but if I do, that's a massive win. And it forces you to get really intentional about what actually matters and make sure you're not just doing like busy work Um, it's like things that actually going to push the needle forward yeah and are you a big like planner in terms of do you use like a sort of physical like a digital planner or like an old school or is it just (laughs) in your head (laughs) I I use pen and paper (laughs) old school way I love it old school (laughs) yep I have pen and paper and I just literally just write a list and there's something so satisfying with actually just crossing something out yes um And I think a lot of, I I have my notebooks that are handy. I have various notebooks around the house. And when I'm having discussions with my sister, it's just, I grab the pen and paper and I write it down and that just becomes my list for the day. Or if I have an idea about the business, I write it down, something like that. It's, I'm very much a physical person. I'm not digital. (laughs) So I'm probably not that organized. (laughs) No. Hey, if it works for you, it works for you. I'm the same. I like to like (laughs) physically cross it off. And if I try and do digital, I'll just end up with like 50 different apps and like it's all dispersed everywhere so I'd rather have one thing on my desk that I actually see that's the other thing you've got to have it visible otherwise it's out of sight out of mind for me anyway if it works and shifting back to the business a little bit so I think you guys have done an incredible job with your branding and marketing and I know there's a lot of women who listen to this podcast who either are trying to grow a business or are thinking about starting a business so with so many different options available for like getting a brand out there like how did you know where to start whether like to do to partner with influencers or focus on Instagram how did you guys figure out where to focus your efforts because it can be really overwhelming (laughs) yeah it, it it was really overwhelming and it was very new to me and it was there was an element of frustration for me because especially with influencers where you pay money or you send products and you just don't know what the output is going to be, what the feedback will be and whether or not it's actually going to impact your business. So there was certainly a lot of trial and error and the way we saw it when we first started the business was, okay, we've got a certain amount of cash, but our currency is our product now. And I think the minute we understood that is we've got X amount of units of our product. Let's use this as currency to the extent we can get free in brackets, free exposure. We will, we'll just start sending product out. And that's sort of how we got initial traction with influencers. We did it ourselves. 
Eventually, once the business picked up and we got a little bit more of cash flow in the company, we then hired a PR agency and that really helped to navigate the influencer world and really start using like great applications that target influencers that are going to be receptive to this, that have a big following. They understand this, they do it, they're professionals. So they they were really great in helping to spread the word even further. And then I think, again, Maddie's actually got a background in digital marketing as well. So she was already very in tune with all of this kind of stuff and knew exactly what to do and knew how to present ourselves to these influencers as well because she's been doing it for so long. But I think it, it just starts from where I, what I was talking about at the start is just start talking to people. Just reach out to influencers because the most that someone is going to say is no. And we certainly have had influencers that have said no before to us, which is fine, or we haven't been able to afford them. But I think a lot of people are very receptive to just trying it. And and even if it's just included in their stories or something, people are happy to lend a helping hand to small businesses, I think, in that space. So, like, just give it a go. Yeah. And there's no substitute for that, like earned media, like word of mouth. And if you've got a great product, like you obviously do, then you're right. It just grows organically. So that's really nice. That's how credit to you guys, of course, like you said, just putting it out there. That's amazing. And are you guys in uh, physical like brick and mortar stores? Are you mainly focusing with selling online at the moment? We're direct to consumer at the moment and we are certainly exploring those options to be brick and mortar as well. I think COVID's probably really impacted that. A lot of shopping centres and small business shops and everything were closed down. I think up until November is when you're allowed to go shopping in Australia. So that certainly put a, a break on us being able to do that. But yeah, it's something we'll explore in the future, but direct to consumer for the moment. I was going to ask you, does it ever feel like you're a seasonal business in that like people are obviously thinking more about sunscreen in summer, but then I thought about the fact like, no, you're meant to use sunscreen all year round. So has that been a big part of, have you had to do a lot of education for people and reminding them why sunscreen is so important all year round? (laughs) Yeah. And look, you certainly see a spike in sales at the start of summer. Like I think that's natural, but we are starting to see a shift with women wearing sunscreen every day. And, and it, it shocked me when I found out that actually if the UV index is over the level of two on the UV index, and you should actually be wearing sunscreen. And so that can be on a winter's day like that's very easy to tick over the sun is doing damage to your skin if the uv index is over the level of two so i think for for the majority of australia at 10 months of the year when you should be i was gonna say it's like always 23 degrees yeah and like even if you're not going outside like i sit right next to a window so admittedly i've only just started i'm turning 30 next year so it's from a little bit of a vain perspective like oh i should probably start wearing sunscreen every day but yeah yeah, there's you're right like it it should be (laughs) all the time kind of thing it, it is it's like it's at the moment it's seasonal but there is this trend or not a, I don't think it's a trend actually there is this movement where women are becoming more educated and looking for ways to prevent damage as opposed to just fix damage later on and yeah it's a really exciting time to be in the sunscreen industry I think but yes yeah. we are having to educate people as well <laughs> yeah for sure and what's next for you guys like what's next on the horizons for 
2022 and beyond <laughs> or maybe yeah, just I, just 2022 I keep saying beyond <laughs> in these interviews I'm like no let's just focus on 2022. <laughs> 2022. I think for us we're going to look at expanding our product line that's really important to us and really just trying to grow the business as it is as it stands we launched six months ago and we've already grown month on month which is fabulous we're really thrilled with how receptive Australians have been so definitely we want to look at expanding the product line and then looking into other jurisdictions because the lead time could be quite significant so we've started to look at that and what other um, markets we start growing into as well. Amazing and where can everyone find Sunny and Felix and buy all your amazing products? So sunnyandfelix.com.au is basically where you can buy it at the moment and also Vault Lifestyle as well. Amazing. I'll pop those in the show notes as well to make it nice and easy for everyone. But thank, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I love chatting to you and, and thank you for being so transparent about everything that is involved in starting up a small business, especially product-based. <laughs> thank you so much for having me.